You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Can't get enough of the fan in the morning? Shown up. Because this is nothing like that. Working. Alan Jerry are here with stories they'd never get to cover on the morning show. Very sexy robot. Hey, look at that pig. Shenanigans. Naked yoga. My mother had a bad experience with these ghosts. Let's hump the fence. It's Alan Jerry's post game podcast. Oh, yes, it is podcast time. Jerry Recco had the day off, although he did wake up early to do the warm up show, which is coming up. Uh, but then at 6 o'clock, he was whoosh, out of there, day off. Uh, so Eddie Scazzeri joins me. Good morning, Eddie. Hello, podcast people. Oh, yes, it's the podcast people. Today, Eddie, I am uh, renting a U-Haul van. I am going up to my apartment in Matawan, and I am getting the rest of my belongings. Mm-hmm. I think they should all fit in a uh, van. And uh, then I'll be here for good, and I'll be out of there for good. And, of course, I don't know if they've rented my place out yet, and if I'm still responsible for the other months. Fingers crossed I'm not. Um, But it had me thinking, like, are you a nostalgic guy for places you've lived? Like, when you... How long have you been in your current home? Uh, Since 1991. Wow. So... That is a long time. Yeah. I've I've lived in two places in my life. I lived in the home where I was uh, born and grew up. No kidding. Yeah. Kind of... uh, I don't know. I don't know what that says about me, but... yeah. So you would probably be nostalgic if you left there and you moved somewhere else. Uh, no, no, you wouldn't. No. Yeah. See, that's weird. Like I'm, I'm normally a nostalgic person, but I don't feel any connections to those other than my childhood home. I think I have a connection to, but any of the houses I've lived, like Basking Ridge, I don't think about. Certainly, Madawan, I don't think about. Florida places I lived, I don't think about. You know, I don't know. Um, but I guess the childhood home, I would feel. Are you nostalgic for that at all? I think if uh, if if at all, slightly, I, I, I guess. Because my, my uh, dad and my sister and her husband still live there. Yeah, so you could see it. So I've seen it and, you know, I've been in that house, you know, many, many times since yeah. I moved out, of course. And actually when my house was being remodeled, uh, wife and I lived there for three months. Nice. So yeah, but but really, I'm not really nostalgic for that sort of thing. It's more the the memories of the home, right. not the actual physical structure itself. Right. And it's always I don't know if you've ever been walked through a place that somebody's lived in after you, and their their stuff is on the walls, and that's weird. That has uh, obviously never happened yeah. since I've. I've lived in two places. Yeah, I don't and... think I've seen really my stuff on the. Uh, like, even though I've lived in more places, I don't. You, you don't really come to the place where you'd be walking through your old home. No, no, it would be kind of weird unless you knew the person. 
Yeah, I would feel like in like let's say thirty years, I'd be well, I'd be eighty. That's too long. What about twenty five years? When I'm seventy five, I would like to walk through my old childhood home. Yeah, I like want to like knock on the door and say, "I used to live here. May I walk through here?" Yeah, you may know me. I'm Al Dukes. Yeah, they'd be like, "No, that was thirty years ago, sir. We have no idea." Uh, Eddie, I've uh, went to took to Twitter and I've asked for some Eddie Scazzeri questions. It's been a while since we've done this. It has actually. Uh, it's been a number of months. I said uh, Eddie is not on Twitter, uh, so often you people cannot ask him questions. I'm going to give you the opportunity right here on the post game podcast. So I've uh, I've gathered the best ones, the non ridiculous ones, and uh, and here they are. Uh, this one comes from. Jeff Weinstein, it says, does the Eddie Scazzeri have one great story from his overnight days producing Steve Summers? What is your best memory from that, Eddie? Oh, wow. Um, How long did you do that for, by the way? A a lot. Not as long as people think. It was only about 18 months. Okay, year and a half. Yeah, it was like from late November of 91 to March of 93. Okay. And people think I was there for years, but it was actually not even two years. I think we've talked about this. I have the same situation with Ron and Fez. I was there for a year. People think I did five years there. Yeah. It's very strange how that memory works. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I you know, I've, I guess I've been asked this before, you know, and I'm terrible at these sort of, what was your fondest moment? What was yeah. your, you know, funniest thing that ever happened? Um, you know, I, I guess it would just be sort of the the overnight community uh, of callers is a, is a fond memory for me because it's much different, as you know, from screening calls all these years than the right. uh, the daytime callers. And it was much more of a, a, a sense of, of family um, than it is with any other show I've ever worked on. So I would have to say that. Because it's the same people over and over again. It's mm-hmm. a smaller group. Yeah. They're in a more unique situation, whether their job has them up at those hours, insomnia has them up, anxiety has them up. <laughs> Whatever, right. Yeah, you're right. It is a more bonding thing. And the host would say that as well. I oh, think, for sure. I think Steve, I think uh, Joe Beningo would say that. JJ probably now. Tony, absolutely. Tony. We're going to be forgetting about my main man, Tony. Yeah. All right, this comes from Dave Marin on Twitter. He says, uh, Lab versus Golden Retriever. Uh, for me, it's Lab, although uh, Goldens are wonderful dogs also. Yeah, what's the uh, difference uh, well, for somebody it's, looking um, to get a dog? All right, well, they're both retrievers, but uh, <laughs> they are the Goldens actually have uh, a slightly more docile, um, although that's you know a generality. It's not every dog. Every dog is unique. But yeah. in general, they're a little more docile and uh, maybe... Just and because of that, a little more little kid friendly because they're less likely to knock a kid down in their exuberance. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's the lab. I think they just have slightly more personality uh, than the goldens. But just my opinion, and I've known a lot of goldens and and like them uh, just fine. But for me, it's the lab. All right. So Lab for you over Golden, but both terrific dogs. Oh, of course. And also, uh, Labs are great family dogs, too. But, again, they're a little more, you know, exuberant. Right. Uh, Michael Rossetti writes to me, Eddie, on the Twitter. 
Imus used to tell a story about messing with Eddie's insulin pump. Curious to know if that was true. Uh, he used to, he actually never did mess with it, but he used to say that he was going to uh, rip it out of me <laughs> and then watch me flop around like a fish. That was his big quote to me. And he actually said that on the air a few times. So that but he was, would have this conversation with you off the air sometimes as well? Yeah. You know, he's just walking through the newsroom and just looking to torment whoever he could torment. Because that was his way. But he and I uh, got along uh, just fine, actually. Yeah. I, I, I can get along with most people. And yeah, I was going to say, I bet you've got along with everybody. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, yeah, so I just knew how to sort of deal with him where other people would either get really upset or really afraid. I was just like, eh, whatever. And uh, he used to say that. And then another thing he used to say when he used to carry a loaded firearm around, uh, he used to take the gun out, uh, open up the little barrel, take out a bullet, and say, Eddie Scazzeri, as if he was reading my name on the bullet, <laughs> and then snap it back in, which is always a little, maybe a little <laughs> nervous. Um, but yeah, that, that also happened. Not to speak ill of the dead. Well, would you say that Imus was the most intimidating guy in that worked at WFAN for the most part? Like it, a, a person who would walk through the newsroom, who was the most intimidating? Uh, he would be right at the top of the list. And, uh, and Mike also would be uh, right near the top of the list. One and 1A. One really? Um, but, and again, I got along with both of them, had relationships with both of them, um, liked both of them. And but but they used to put the fear of God in people. <laughs> See, I w- ha- I've never been around Imus because we we came in after uh, he was uh, let go. But Mike, to me, and maybe it's because I didn't work with him. He he wasn't intimidating to me because he also seemed to be a, a quiet guy. Where I would imagine that Imus was more. I don't know. I just imagine Imus being a little more vocal. Uh, Imus was a little more vocal if you would just happen to cross paths, sometimes unfortunately for some people, with him. <laughs> um, but with uh, with Mike, I think there was more, a little more interaction with the rank and file than Imus had for sure. Um, but uh, both both intimidating, but both also could be very nice and and generous and and uh, sweet. Uh, Mike a little more so than Imus, I would say. Um, you know, Mike didn't wasn't working uh, with uh, having a, an addictive uh, personality like Imus had his uh, alcoholism and drug use, which I think affected his uh, personality. He still had so, some of the aspects of an addict in his uh, dealings with people. Um, but uh, yeah, those two for sure were were one and one A. All right, uh, what do we got here? This comes from Feech. Would Eddie get the coronavirus vaccine in early 2021 without hesitation if it was made available? I will get it as soon as it's available. Is that right? Yes. You don't need all these uh No, because uh, it will it will already have been trialed before. I mean, I I haven't signed up for a human trial. I think maybe that would be with my as I mislikes to say comorbidity or as a boomer likes to say, the comorbidity issues that I have. But, uh, yeah, as soon as it's uh, ready to go, I'm online. You're ready to roll. Yep. All right. Uh, Ian Davies asks, as a fellow diabetic, what's Eddie's go-to cheat? 
go to cheat. Yeah, like if you're going to eat something uh, that's going to throw your insulin really off, and you know this going in, but it's too good to pass up. What is your go-to? I, I would say uh, ice cream. You know that does it. Uh, that that'll spike it really high. Yeah. Uh, but it's different for me. I don't know if uh, is it Feech? You say Feech? Feech. I don't know. Feech. Oh no, this was uh, this was Ian Davies. Oh, Ian. Uh, Ian. Uh, I don't Feech know. Was the uh, previous. Ian. I don't know if you're a type one or a type two, mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, very different um, in terms of. Like I, I have to have insulin all the time. I wear an insulin pump, uh, so that um, really I can kind of eat whatever I want as long as I just dial up the insulin for it. Whereas a a type two who is maybe not on insulin and doesn't want to be on insulin and has to watch everything they eat uh, for the the sugar concerns. Um, you know, it, it's a different it's a different uh, lifestyle, mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, in some ways, in that particular way, type one is easier to deal with. But then, of course, you got the whole thing where you're wearing an insulin pump and a right. continuous blood glucose monitor, and you're breaking your fingers, a uh, you know, two, three, four times a day. So there's uh, trade-offs, obviously. And IMIS may rip it out of your body. That's also true. While pointing a gloated right. gun at you and flop around like a fish on the yes. newsroom floor. Uh, Douglas Munson asking. Does Eddie actually believe in extraterrestrial life? And if so, does he think they have visited Earth? Okay. Do I believe that question. there is a life out there in the universe? A mm-hmm. uh, 100%. Okay. Uh, do I believe that they have visited the Earth? Yes. No. Um, I would have to, you know, I'm a doubting Thomas in, the, in that regard. I, I, I need proof for that. Um, and all the stories and so-called proofs are not really up to scientific um, standards. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, an incredibly, unimaginably immense universe. So uh, I'll use a, a quote, a line from the movie uh, Contact with Jodie Foster, a book written by Carl yes. Sagan. You know, if there isn't other life out there, it's an awful waste of space. <laughs> You know, having known you all these years, I couldn't, you know, this seems like a general Eddie question. Mm-hmm. Is there life and do you think they visited us? And yet I didn't know the answer to that. I mean, yeah. I knew you thought there was life, yes. but I didn't know if you, I would have guessed that you thought they have visited us. Uh, excuse me, I'm distracted because Dove is texting me because okay. Dove is now back to work. Oh, great. Um, and... Uh, He's throwing off your game. Well, a little bit because I traded parking spots with him yesterday, oh. and he's looking to do the same today. <laughs> um, but he, uh, you know, he doesn't know that I'm doing this podcast, right. and so it'll Very be a busy. little later. Oh, he's uh, going to be in full panic mode. No, nah, not panic. But oh, be uh, all right. And you know, he and I drive the exact same car. I don't know if it's the exact same year, but he's got the blue Honda Fit. Is that right? Yes, he does. So see, little... so you both can you legitimately can definitely get into the same spot. A hundred percent, and lo- unless it's a really tight one, and he's yeah. not as good a parallel no, parker no, as no, I am. No, no, he cannot. Who? How could he be? Probably, yeah. That, that's uh, that's true. Here's a fun one, Eddie. This comes from Derek. Uh, what is Eddie's favorite Dolphins moment? My favorite Dolphins moment. Yeah, wow. That's a good one. Um, I would have to say probably the Mud Bowl. Uh, the 80, I guess, was it the 81 season championship, uh, which is in January of 82 with uh, uh, A.J. Dewey picking off Richard Todd and taking in for a touchdown. Yeah. Woody Bennett had scored a touchdown earlier 
and they won the uh, AFC Championship uh, uh, 14-0, then went on to lose with John Riggins in the Super Bowl uh, 17. So the Jets, that was a, a, the Jets were in the championship game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I couldn't have even told you that. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, Richard Todd almost was the, to a Super Bowl. Yes. Yeah, he was. He was a game away. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that and that's the infamous mud, mud bowl, and that was probably in the uh, Benigno uh, bracket of pain. <laughs> Would you put Dolphins Chargers in that game? Uh, the game with um, the Kellen Winslow. Yes, yes. Uva von Shaman, Andre yeah. Franklin. Yeah, a hundred percent. That is a great memory. Although it's a, I don't know if he phrased it as like a positive memory or not. Yeah. Uh, that would have to be overall memories. That would probably be um, number one. And then number two would be the Redskins Super Bowl loss. Number three, the 49ers Super Bowl loss. Uh, but on the positive side, the uh, the, the AFC Championship game uh, when they uh, beat the Jets and then when I the championship game when they beat the Steelers uh, to go to the Super Bowl 19. All right. Those are all good ones. And yeah, and then it's been kind of lean. Yeah. And of lean course, years the, after. yeah. And the spike game, fantastic. <laughs> and just even more so because I'm now working with Boomer. <laughs> and I get to torment him with that. And the uh, final question from Rocky Raccoon, which I believe is a Beatles reference. Yes, it is. So, wide album. Uh, this guy wants to know how much wine can Eddie drink without getting a hangover? Ooh. Okay. White, white wine. <laughs> two glasses maybe <laughs> right. uh red That's wine red wine i would say probably a bottle or maybe a little more than a bottle you could drink a bottle and then not and not be headachey the next day yeah for me as long That's as i'm like if i don't awesome. drink it all at once obviously yeah. if it's spread out over yeah, you know spacing it out hour and you have dinner and food and the whole thing I would say, yeah, for sure. May, probably maybe even a bottle and a half. Nice. Uh, for me, my body chemistry, white wine, terrible. Uh, uh, but red wine, very kind. You know, vodka and car bombs and all that other stuff, also terrible. Although not as bad as white wine for me. Yeah, white wine is just so sugary. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's it, you know, because it's not like sugary per se. It doesn't have actual like sugar that will raise my blood sugar. Yeah. But... Whatever happens afterwards with the alcohol molecule, it's a bad scene for me. And it's so tasty, so you just keep having more. And then, especially like for me, white wine, if it was ice cold, mm-hmm. oh man, hard to resist when it's ice cold. But for me, the association with the negative effects is so strong, Yeah, I do not enjoy the taste of white wine. Because you know it'll get you. Yeah. It's going to get you. Mm-hmm. All right, Eddie, that is the uh, post-game podcast, the warm-up show, which I did with Jerry. Yes. Uh, almost an hour long. So uh, really, well, this shouldn't be a day off for Jerry. No, he worked. That he did. At least he should maybe do a half a day. Yeah, something. Something. He's got to get some credit. Although Mark would say it is was his choice. Right. We didn't need him to do it. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, warm-up is next. Uh, we will see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, so, so. Good morning, campers. It's the warm-up show with Alan Jerry. No longer the shortest show on WFAN. 
Now it's a tie. Oh, yeah, it's a Tuesday morning. It's the warm-up show with Al and Jerry. Al, way down the Jersey Shore. Today's a day of uncertainty, but one thing I know is certain. Y'all better damn get ready to watch some hockey because the other sports may never come back. Al Dukes, how are you? Oh, so hockey's coming back, Jerry? I hockey that. is the only one that's got their stuff together. Oh. The NBA had it together, but I don't know what's going on now because you've got, you know, all the players are thinking about different things. So there's a chance that that could fall apart. I don't know. Plus, Florida is getting hit by this coronavirus again. So who knows? The NFL, who knows? You got players on the Texans with coronavirus. Ezekiel Elliott and guys on the Cowboys have coronavirus. Who knows? And baseball, we have a commissioner who sounds like Andrew McCutcheon with the water argument. We're going to play 100%. I'm not so sure. It's a disaster. Awesome. And then there's Gary Bettman. We're good. So they're good to go. When are they starting, Jerry? When do I become a hockey fan? How does this work? Do I pick a team? Do I? Who's leading? They are still quietly nailing down the details, but it looks like they're going to start right around the beginning part of August. And who's expected to win the cup? That's That's my team. The New York Rangers. Are they really good? Are they the Rangers? No, I'm joking. Oh. The Rangers have to do the play-in game. <laughs> oh, I don't want that. I need uh, a team that's getting the, a bye. I'm trying to think. They're going to play the Vancouver Hurric- Canucks. No, they're, play- <laughs> they're playing the Carolina Hurricanes in the play-in game. And the Islanders are going to play – not playing game, playing series. And the Islanders are going to play the Panthers, I believe. Um, the good teams – the Bruins are always good. Mm-hmm. Um, Can't pick a Boston team, Jerry. The New Yorkers would hate me for that. Colorado is good. Well, I like them. They like and weed out there. Sadly, I'm not sure I can tell you who else is good because I really right. I don't remember it. I'll go point. Colorado Rockies, Jerry. You go Colorado of, Rockies. Bunch of that's weed that's smoking baseball. fools out there. That's, I mean, that, that's that's baseball. Oh. But okay, <laughs> Colorado Avalanche. And I think uh, I think Toronto is good. With Patrick so. Waugh behind uh, or in front of the post, Jerry. The Montreal Canadiens. Best goalie I ever saw. Patrick Waugh? He was. He was amazing. Didn't he spell his name Roy? Yes. But it was pronounced Waugh? Waugh. Waugh. Yeah. Waugh. Yeah. Waugh. Waugh. Jerry, we're it'd finally. Like you, it'd be like you calling your name Albert Yooks. Albert Yooks. <laughs> yes. Call me Yooks, Jerry. Yes, Jerry, sir. we are finally to the point. I don't know what phase of reopening this is. But I can tell you that uh, as someone who didn't used to have a dog, that when coronavirus kicked in and we were told not to pet strangers' dogs, it was very weird. I felt yeah. bad. I would go out. I'm normally a guy who will pet a stranger's dog at, at a moment's notice. I saw the look of sadness in dogs' eyes wondering, why is no one petting me? Right. As now the owner of a dog, Jerry, I can tell you that uh, yesterday – and the day before, when I was out, strangers were petting my dog. So strangers finally feel comfortable petting a dog and not going to catch coronavirus. I am comfortable with strangers petting my dog, Jerry. Dogs are happy. Uh, people who like to pet dogs are happy. Whatever phase this is, phase it's a two. good one. It's a good one, Jerry. Phase Everyone's two. excited. Just my dog is making down friends. Continue to be excited. Like, we thought you could catch coronavirus if I have coronavirus, then I'm out walking my dog and you pet my dog, then you get coronavirus. Was it that or was this it we is... were more concerned with being too close to one another? No, I think it was like like a dog people felt like was like touching a surface of a counter. And might have been carrying it? Like, what if, I'm, what if all day long before I take my dog out for a walk, I'm sneezing on her? Achoo, all over her. And then we go out, you pet my dog. Like, who's a, who's a good girl? 
and then you get coronavirus. Right. But we're past that now. I hear you. Well, I'm not past it because someone oh. very uh, that I've known for a very long time, I found out, has it. Is that right? So, uh, that is right, yes. Out of, do out I of know absolutely this p- nowhere. Do I know this person? Uh, yes, you do. I do. You do. Older? Younger? Um, middle. Middle. Yeah. Would you consider me middle? I'm 50. Yeah, I would. Yeah, okay, I so would say middle. Uh, middle wow. is, is probably 30 to thirty to 60. Okay. I would call middle. Is that middle. fair? Yes. Yeah. So every time I feel, and then this has happened to me a few times now, where you really feel like you're kind of beyond it. And I watch I watch Andrew Cuomo every day because my shift is still going on. So I see him at 1130 every morning. And the numbers continue to fall, and things things really do feel like they're getting back. And every single time, I feel like you know what we've really turned a corner. Something like this hits me in the face. Hmm. Is so, it a bad situation or not sure? Not sure. I'm really right. not sure. Uh, but we also had a friend of a friend lost their father uh, two weeks ago. It's been it's just been strange. Like again, hmm. you think that you're past it. It's like right. Okay, not yet. So I hope that the numbers stay down, and I hope everybody can pet each other's dogs. And it's yes. a Shangri-La of dog petting. Yes, Shangri-La, exact. Jerry, you described it perfectly. Now, you mentioned Ezekiel Elliott of the Cowboys. He tested positive for COVID-19, and he was not happy that someone leaked his test results. How does that happen? I mean, honestly, how does someone reveal know. that? Like, because people are, gotta shut up. Because there are other Cowboy players, evidently, and some Texan, Houston Texans players, but we only know of Ezekiel Elliott. Now the good news is he's got, from what I can tell, he's got no no symptoms from what I read yeah. from the people that are speaking that they're supposed him. to be speaking. Yes, yeah. so it looks like one of these cases where he's got it and you know he'll be fine and uh, now he's dealt with it and hopefully that's that's the end of it. But it's it's concerning that you're a month or let's say June fifteenth, sixteenth, yeah. today seventeenth, whatever it is. So you're about really five weeks away, four weeks away from training. About five weeks away from training camp. And now we're starting to see these things pop up. It's not good. It is not good. I mean, now, I, I'm really concerned about the fall season. Now, in the midst of him uh, of it being reported that he has coronavirus, he tweeted out, Ezekiel Elliott tweeted out, HIPAA? Yeah. Question mark. I'm now, with him. We all know that HIPAA is some... I cannot tell you what HIPAA stands for. Me neither. H-I-P-A-A, according to Ezekiel Elliott. I have no. Well, here's what I know it means. Don't give out my personal um, medical information. It means your medical history is supposed to be private. I'm going to Google that right now, Jerry. What, HIPAA. what, what HIPAA stands for? Yeah. HIPAA, Health Information Privacy Protection Act. Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. Oh. Well, there you go. Sounds and yet confusing. we found out what's going on. Now. The good thing is, it's, it's you, you don't want to ever infringe upon someone's privacy. No. But you could stand up and, and kind of be at the forefront of this and say, see, I'm you know Ezekiel Elliott and he got me. He can get right. you too. So that's the positive that comes out of it. But I do think it sucks that people are out there giving away his information. Right. Who's younger and in better shape than me, Ezekiel Elliott? Yes, I would say so. I wear exactly. half shirts. Do you really? No, Ezekiel Elliott oh. does, which <laughs> yes, means does. you got to have ripped abs. I got to tell you, not a great look. It's not a great look, but he's owning it, Jerry. He's the only one doing it. He's the only man in the league who wears a half shirt. That is true, and he it's cuts a, them. And I don't know. Yeah. He's got he's got like the um, the thick abs. I don't mean fat. I mean strong, strong abs. He's but a big just, strong ab guy. It doesn't work. Like the half shirt to me is for people like you that like have no 
nothing. I have belly flab, Jerry. I oh, could, do you really? Jerry, if I, had, if I wore an a Ezekiel Elliott half shirt, that would be embarrassing. You should walk around this week. I give you a challenge. <laughs> walk around this weekend for mm-hmm. one hour. Okay. In, like, stonewashed <laughs> denim shorts. All right. Flip-flops with white socks. Okay. A oh, half shirt. Mm-hmm. A little suntan lotion on your nose. <laughs> And weird-looking sunglasses and see how many people stop to ask you what the hell you're doing. Probably not many down here, Jerry. This is a very progressive neighborhood. Okay. An area where everyone can be an individual. I'll tell you one thing. Everyone can feel comfortable here, Jerry. You would get thousands upon thousands of hits on social media if you posted a photo like that. That I would get. (laughs) Now, the NFLPA, Jerry, says that they plan on testing NFL players three times a week. Going to have to. Is the only thing are we still just doing that nose thing where you got to put the uh, Q-tip uh, well, up to your skull practically? So you can do that. That hurts. Or you can order the Rutgers test, which is oh. the saliva test, which I have Rutgers read might have. Test. I have read might have better results. Is that better than uh, sticking that thing all the way in your nose? Yeah, that's. Nice. Still, I mean, again, it depends on what you read and who you're listening to. Right. But it's a lot less invasive, and you know, it's 150 bucks. So. You could do that, but I, I don't know which way they're going to go. I don't know if Rutgers is going to, you know, put together a million tests for the NFL, if they're buying them from them. I don't I don't know. Who knew our saliva had so much information in it? Yeah. Like, you Blood could tell whether you have, you have coronavirus. You can if, – if, if I become a serial killer and I spit on the ground, they scoop that up, they'll go, oh, Al's the serial killer. It's right here DNA. in the spit. And yet people feel free to just spit all over the ground. We do. I know. Although not in baseball. If they ever come back, that won't be allowed. Like, you go walk around New York City in the summer. There's just spit everywhere. Just people are like, Sure. How about if you're chewing sunflower seeds? You're also spitting. That was the thing when I was in, like, when we were in Little League and stuff, when you wanted to spit, you'd go, so disgusting. Yes. It, well, it was disgusting now as a 50-year-old man. It wasn't when you were 12 and, go, and trying and to play baseball. And we go, and then. That was you deflecting <laughs> that you couldn't hit the ball. I, I can't I hit. I can hit the ball, Jerry. I hit it right to shortstop. Solid. <laughs> right, right to him, and then you were out. Well. Well, I'm what? Only, only out because of a amazing play by the shortstop. Right. He fielded the ground ball and threw to first. <laughs> We didn't and you even went have to move. And you batted zero one season. <laughs> one season I did bat zero. I was the opposite of like, who was it, Yogi Berra, who said hit him where they ain't? Or... Hit him where they ain't. I hit you him, hit him exactly... where they were. <laughs> I hit him where they didn't even have to move out of position. I had one season. In all these years of coaching, I've only had one kid that batted zero for a season. All right. And I felt, now you got to think about this. Matthew's 15. I've been coaching him since he's five. So that's 11 years with him, plus I've had the last four with with Joseph. So it's really a combined, like, 19 years of coaching. I've had one kid bat zero, and I felt horrendous for him because he knew it. He knew he batted zero. He knew he was batting zero. Anytime he put the ball in play, it went right to the second baseman or it went right to the pitcher (laughs) or right to the shortstop, and he had no chance of beating it out, um, and he struck out a lot. And by the end of the season, you could see him going up there like his butt cheeks were tight. Like he knew, he just he was so he was pressing so badly for a hit. Like did that come over you, or were you satisfied because you were just putting the ball in play? Like yeah, hey, I'm hitting the ball. They're just. I was satisfied not striking out, and to me, that was a hit. If I hit a ground, if I grounded out the shortstop, I was so thrilled that I didn't have to go back to the dugout on a strikeout. 
that you I felt went back like you at least tried like, hard. Hey man, put the ball in play. Can only do that. They just made plays. They just made they just made plays of an entire season on me. <laughs> There's a kid, a friend of mine's kid, tried baseball one year and was not very good at it. And admittedly, he jokes now because it's just not his sport. And so they got to the final game of the season. He did not have a hit all year. And so his father promised him one of the video games. Like, it's just get get a hit, don't strike out. I'm begging you to hit the ball. Get a hit, I'll get you this game. So the kid fouls a ball off, strikes out. Kid fouls another ball off his next time at bat, strikes out again. Gets in the car, he's like, are we going to GameStop? And father said, for what? He goes, I hit the ball twice. Right, got a piece of it. <laughs> said, no, that, that's not the way this works. You have to hit the ball and get on base. He actually got the game because he's he on the technicality. He goes, you never said a base hit. He, you said hit the ball. I hit right. the ball twice. I've hit the ball twice. Well, I get two games. <laughs> that, right, exactly. That's he got NBA 2K and he got Madden. <laughs> hmm. Jerry, I have a new topic here. Do we want to take a break or do I start this topic? How does this work? How does well, radio work? Well, let me ask work? you this. Let me ask you this because okay. we, we don't speak until we actually – Get on the air at five o'clock. Got it. Is it something that might take a couple of minutes? Or a couple of a... minutes, yeah, Jerry. I've got to develop is. topics. Yeah. All right. So how about this? That right there is a radio tease. All right. When we come back, we've got a huge topic from Al oh, Dukes. So huge, Jerry. I had to wait till after the break. We're gonna wait till after the break. Yeah. We're just getting started. Quarter after five on a Tuesday on the Fan Boomer NGO at six, and uh, we'll be right back. Alan Jerry now offering curbside delivery. All right, 20 after 5 on a Tuesday morning before the break, Al told us that uh, he's got a cool story that might take a couple of minutes. So, that having been said, very excited to hear what this next topic is. Eating chocolate cake in the back. Uh, I finally watched the Mark McGuire uh, Sammy Sosa documentary yesterday, the 30 for 30 uh, Long Gone Summer, I believe. I gotta tell you, I'm not interested. Well, I will say this, Jerry. I, th- I think it was unfairly criticized. Yesterday, I read a bunch of critiques of it prior now you're to me I should watch it. watching it. Yeah, here's the critiques I heard, and fake news, sad. One, they go, they didn't barely touch on steroids. First of all, the documentary was really about the feeling of that summer and what that meant to baseball and how it brought it back, okay. which, by the way, we weren't talking about steroids back then. We really were, not until we saw the Andro in the back right. of the locker by McGuire. To which that was then covered very nicely. And the whole last 20 minutes, at least, of the documentary was all about how those records, looking back on them now, are tainted to people. So it was covered. Okay. How covered. was it covered Fake in like news. the back? Because the one thing was, I saw yeah. by all the critics, if you will, was critics. that... I can't believe I'm 30 minutes in and they yes. haven't mentioned steroids. So was it covered mostly in the back part of it? Yeah, the very, very – here's what happened. If if you tuned into the very – if you missed the very, very beginning of it, the, the director in talking about making the thing referenced the steroids, the steroid era. Okay. Then you did have a lengthy part of the documentary, which was just about the feel-goodness of what this was for baseball in Chicago and for St. Louis and McGuire, blah, blah. And then – after the records were broken, then they went into the whole steroid thing, and they talked to Mark McGuire. They talked to Sammy Sosa, who stills pretending like nothing, nothing. Like, why are you coming looking at me? Uh, everyone was doing it. Yeah. So, I know. Uh, but it was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I would uh, I say watch to watch oh. it. You're a baseball guy, Jerry. You love baseball. 
you yeah, love and lo- the MLB and Network. Th- and looking for things to watch, no question. Yes. Um, so I will. Uh, I just I didn't. I, I, I guess I was th- so thrown off, if you will, about the criticism of it. Right. I kind of lost interest. Me too. You but know. I watched it anyway. All right. And it well, was good. Then. And then and then a lot of the other thing where people were complaining that was a more of a Mark McGuire documentary than Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa doesn't really speak all that much. Like when he was a player in that time, he was the personality behind it. Mark McGuire had no personality. Right. Sammy Sosa was talkative, personality driven. Now he looks completely different. His skin, his uh, skin tone, his hair, his personality—all different—and was not as interesting as he was when he was playing. So it well, was very strange. It was well, very why would strange. He be, he's not interesting. He's had but a he, bunch of like batting coach jobs. I mean, he's he's been fighting off, and you know, he's been very defensive about all this. He's which one about all this? Uh, McGuire, I'm talking McGuire, about. yeah. Like he's boring. Yeah, he is boring. Yeah, I mean, you and are what is, you are. He is sticking with that goatee through and through. How old is Mr. McGuire? So let's see. McGuire was a rookie. That Topps card, traded card was in 85. You got that in a Gem Min 10 condition? I do not. I wish oh, I did at the time, awesome. but I never got my hands on that. Oh. That was the – was that the USA card? Is yeah. That, is that right? Yes. So that was in 85. So let's figure – and I'm, I could be wrong about this, but just for approximation, he was 20 and 85. So fifteen thirty five. So he's got to be mid fifties. Yeah, he he looks mid fifties. Right. Yeah, and the guys in mid fifties don't look. They don't look old yet. Jerry, if you buy that card now, you put that right on FlexPay. You won't even notice the payments coming right out of your uh, bank account. What is this put it on FlexPay? What is that? Gem Min Ten condition. Well, you what put is... it on FlexPay. You make payments on the card. That way, you're not putting all that money out first. Oh, I see. I don't think that card's worth anything. Jim Minton. I'll tell you what's not worth anything anymore, and this man was featured pre- uh, prominently in the documentary, is that Todd McFarlane fella who bought the uh, bought the home run balls. Right. So he paid uh, for the 70th home run ball that McGuire hit that season. Mm-hmm. He paid uh, $3 million. Wow. That all right, Hold on. It's $3 million then, so I'm going to say one point. No, nah, not even that much. A million dollars now. That ball right now is believed to be worth, according to the experts who purchased these things, $250,000. Wow. That is, that is some losing investment. Oh, huh? that was not. But this guy, this uh, Todd McFarlane, could not be happier to have all these uh, balls. He's got well, all sorts fine. of balls. I mean, if that's, the, if that's your collection, that's fine. Your but to spend collection. $3 million and for it to be worth literally yeah. 10%, less than 10% of what you paid for it. Yeah. That's still got to be, it's a talking piece. That's called a loser ball. And how about Sammy Sosa hit like 66 home runs and no, no one, one cares. cares. <laughs> no one cares. But he was, oh, but that was the thing about the quote-unquote chase, was that he was, was there a time where Sosa was ahead of him? Yes. He was at yeah. one point, because I don't remember. It, it was in the um, upper 50s. Really? Yeah. And so then he had a little bit of a slump. McGuire surged past him. Yes. Very interesting. I, I also wonder if this, uh, there was interest, but McGuire was a known home run hitter. He had that rookie year. He hit the 49 home runs. Like I don't think yes. anybody was surprised that McGuire was going to be the guy to do it. Yes, I understand he looked like a robot at that point. But Correct. Um, I wonder what the interest level would have been. 
if Maguire wasn't in the race with Sosa for it, and it was just Sosa hitting 60-plus home runs, if there still would have been – I mean, I guess there would have been the level of interest. I just don't know if it would have been as high. Correct. You know, because Sammy Sosa wasn't known as a guy who's going to hit 60 home runs. Maguire, Maguire, everyone always thought he could. Maguire claimed to not even really know who Sammy Sosa was. He was aware he was a baseball player, but had no idea. I believe that. He was a home run hitter. I do believe that. Back then, no social media. The only thing you saw was what you saw in your cable sports channel show at the end of the night or sports center. I believe that. I'm sure these guys didn't know everybody. That doesn't surprise me. You know, watching you, you on this documentary, you see a lot of home run balls because it's, it's a lot of home run balls they keep yeah. going. Boy, just these pitchers were like, you know what, for McGuire and Sosa, what about a fastball down the middle? <laughs> <laughs> see if they can touch this. <laughs> what about well, this, a ball with no movement right down the middle? <laughs> I do think there's a Gosh. little bit of ego there, number one. They think I'm gonna I'm gonna overpower this. Yeah. This guy thinks he can hit a home run. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I guess he can. Uh, so there's a little bit of ego, and they would also say, you know, I, I, we were talking on the podcast about you know favorite players growing up that have disappointed you. I was talking about you know Daryl Strawberry. One thing I'll never forget the experts saying about Strawberry because he struck out a ton was he was one of the best mistake uh, hitters that they had ever seen. Meaning, if you throw a fastball that doesn't have movement on it and you just end up throwing a flat, that's not the point, is to throw a flat fastball. He's going to hit the ball to the moon. So I think in some of those cases, the idea that they were throwing a meatball down the middle was not the intention. Right. That just, you know, if you throw the ball 125 times a game, they're not all going to be perfect. Yeah, so I, think, I, I think there was that thing where it was like, I'm going to be the guy that gets Maguire to strike out or Sosa to strike out. Although they struck out a lot anyway, but yes. Yeah, but... And it's I an feel ego like, thing. I feel like during when, when Barry Bonds was doing it, that they were pitching around him even. Well, Barry Bonds, was there was this level of invincibility. And I, if I remember, didn't the Diamondbacks intentionally walk him with the bases loaded one time? I know. It t- I don't know was if it was... Was that Buck Showalter that yeah. did that? I feel like that happened. Now I got to Google that. Just Google it. I will. But I, I remember, and I also remember watching Bonds too. the idea that he just didn't swing and miss. Like, if he missed, he fouled the ball off. Like, he was that locked in. And that's where some people would say, say what you want about the steroids and the and the body build. There were, I remember experts saying, it's the eye, the, the vision, the eyesight that gets better. And he was about as locked in as any player I'd ever seen in my life. Let's see, Barry Bonds. Walked with bases loaded, and no, I guess put intentionally walked. Do you remember that or no? I do. I do faintly remember that. And so yeah, there it is. Intentionally walked with bases loaded. It comes right up. How about that? How about that? How about I'm just that? curious if I remember who it was. Yeah, it was the it was it was Buck Showalter and the Diamondbacks. They were up by two runs, and so he gave an intentional walk in 1998. Nice. That's pretty wild. Yeah, like I just remember them pitching around Barry Bonds a lot, and and I remember just fastballs right down the middle from Mark McGuire. Yeah, you might be right about that. I mean, baseball was in a weird spot. <laughs> they needed the home run ball. And his so. uh, little kid was in this documentary a lot because his uh, Mark McGuire's kid was a bat boy. Right. He was a pudgy, you know, pudgy little uh, fella. But uh, and now he's uh, thirty years old. Now he's thirty years old and looking slim and trim. See that? He figured it out. He figured it out, Jerry. He figured out life. Now, in a, on a serious note, oh, before we okay. take a break. No, just baseball related. Baseball. You, you have seen the way Rob Manfred has now waffled back and forth. Yeah, I didn't like that. 
We're going to play 100% there's a season, and then last right. night, yeah, I'm not so sure. It what was a, one day apart. What is he doing? I, I like We play softball against Rob Manfred's team every summer. Yeah. I don't really know the man at all. Seems like a nice guy. What the I, hell is he doing? I try to pretend I don't know who he is at those games. I talk to him like a regular guy, Jerry. And people like that. Yeah. You don't. Like, you want to be known. Like, be, be, like you want people to come up, oh, I love you. I'll take a picture. Could you all sign this? Like, you're all into that. Well, how about, but some people do not like that. How about the one I went to a Bruce Springsteen concert at the Barclays Center? A you acted like you ago. didn't know Bruce? No, I, I definitely would have <laughs> fallen all over him. But I was, uh, I was in this area where the karate kid, Ralph Macchio, was. Okay. We, we know him from the show. He, yeah. He's been on a number of times. He's very, very nice. We played softball with him. Yeah, so I said to Gina, I go, there's Ralph Macchio, the karate kid. She goes, oh, my God. She was so excited. I go, well, let's come over and meet him. So he had come over. We were chatting. And then Gina says to him, hi. you do. <laughs> she goes, hi, I'm Gina. And you are. Now, why okay. would she do that? I think she, oh, well, later I found out she said, I wanted him to feel like a regular person. Well, that's nice. Yeah, except that, you know what she did after that? She goes, I want to get a photo with Ralph Macchio. I go, well, you, you just did a, and you no, are. you can't do that. You can't do that. Oh that my gosh. you can't do. She had a good heart, though, Jerry. She wanted him to feel like, ah, I don't have to talk Karate Kid with this woman. She doesn't know Well, there's know a way to talk to a person without bringing up the one, you know, big film that he did. Yeah. I mean, you can ask, how's the, you have a family? Do you have children? I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. You don't have to ask you about say, how Mr. Miyagi is. How's the family? How are your children? Oh, what's your favorite Bruce song? Also, how do you do that karate kick? Nah, you don't have to do that. Oh, you don't have to do you don't have That's to do the that. part you can leave out. Okay. You don't need to do that. But I do I do appreciate that you told you let Ma- Rob Manfred feel like he was just one of the yeah. guys. Like because Rob Manfred coaches third base in that softball game yes. and I play third, play base. third base. I just act like who's who's this older guy here coaching third? I like that. That's yeah. a nice tact to take. Yeah. I don't go well to him done. like what about the steroid era? Like I don't do that. Well, I do. I will tell you. I would suggest if you're a baseball fan, go check out Trevor Bauer's Twitter feed because he absolutely obliterates Mr. Manfred on mm. a uh, about a six pass. Uh, I would say, yeah, it's probably six six passages. Uh, is that, am I saying that right? Tweets. Yeah, tweets. Yeah, but I mean, it's like this continuing narrative oh, where he's, he's just going after him, and he's he's given his reasons. Like he really he goes through it. And then you've got other major leaguers that are retweeting it and commenting on it, and it's hard to argue with anything that he's writing. So it's a mess. It is an absolute mess. And then for him to say it's a disaster on TV, like, what? Yeah. Oh, God. How about this? Get it done. So. Jerry, when we come back, I've got a story about my um, – well, one of my favorite characters of the game, Mike Gundy. I'm a man. I'm 40. So this is going to be a long story? Because I'm not getting the yeah, sense this is, is going to be a long one, actually. You don't think this is going to be a long story? No, I don't. But so I, that said, do we need to? We're break? gonna hold it right there. Yeah, of course we do. Okay, I we'll never hold know it the right breaks. there. No, well, I mean you're the producer of the six to ten show. You oh, should it's know the, same the breaks, breaks right now. Same format. Fair. That's quick fair. break. Boomer and Geo at six on a Tuesday on the fan. Al and Jerry, social distancing before it was cool. Headstrong, five thirty-eight on a Take Tuesday. On anyone. I do like this song. This is one of those songs that when it first came out, I think about the whole disc. And, you know, that was it for me. It was the one song. Do you remember the artist? No, I do not. Trapped. Trapped. Yeah, I would not remember that. That's one that would pop up. So what I do with with Spotify, 
You know, like you like the different songs, and then you make the playlists off your like songs. At least yeah. that's how I do it. Um, I imagine that's the norm. I don't really download anything. No. Uh, it's amazing how many songs that you know that you really don't remember who the artist is because it was the only song. I know one hit wonder you want to call it, um, it but that, that that never goes away. And you always wonder, and you love music. I always wonder how a band or a group could come up with something that's so catchy that's just a great tune, and then everything else is just, meh, and no right. one ever takes to it. It's strange to me, because the sound you would think is something that you like. Yeah, I don't understand it either, Jerry. Everyone thinks uh, they're going to uh, write a big hit and then have a long career, like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Mr. Bruce Springsteen, and then you turn out, you're trapped, and you have Headstrong. Yeah, which is great, and I'm, I'm sure they still get little checks for it, right? I, I mean, I know. think, I mean... People are still downloading it and buying Real this, this song. I did, listen, I didn't say they're making millions of dollars, but yeah, it's weird. It's just strange to me that they have such a great sound for a four-minute song, and then nothing else ever sticks. They're not making it rain at the strip clubs right now, Jerry. The guy from uh, Trapped. I would think not. I remember Vertical Horizon. I liked that band for a short time. I'm like, well, this is going to be a good band. <laughs> Never heard from them again. Well, they always say what happens is, Jerry, is that a band takes their entire life there to to create this first album. And then the, if it's a success, then the, the record company wants the next album within a few months. And you're like, I had a lifetime of experiences that I poured into these songs. So they churn out crap. Yeah, I don't have a lifetime of experiences now to churn out another batch of songs. And the so a, a band like the Beatles, who had hundreds of bad songs as well as all the great hits. Yeah. So they what they did they they didn't write their music, did they? Yeah. Oh yes, Lennon McCartney, very big. So they wrote. They Elvis wrote, did not write. Elvis did not. So he, I'm just trying to think of the biggest ones of all time. Stones wrote. The Who wrote. wrote Springsteen okay. wrote. Interesting. So you tell so Lennon and McCartney were that good at writing oh, that they yeah. were able to turn out. I mean, how many? If I had to ask you, how many hits you think conservatively that the Beatles had? Fifty hits. Fi- I was going to say I was going to give you uh, uh, more or less than 50. fifty. Yeah, I would say that's probably about the number, which is a which is a ridiculous amount. And of they had popular twenty songs. number one hits, I believe. Number Didn't they have an album uh, out just of, of their ones, number? Yeah. yeah, they sure did. Meanwhile, Trapped had one hit. Headstrong. <laughs> they had one hit. <laughs> it's funny. Headstrong to take on anyone. So Mike Gundy, Jerry, who's become uh, a guy here that uh, I like for his uh, years ago when he was 40. This was over 10 man. years ago. He went on that rant saying how, I'm a man. I'm 40. Come, Come at, at me. me. <laughs> he was protecting his players, Jerry. Yes. The media. I'm a man. I'm 40. Mm-hmm. Come at me. I'm a man. I'm 40. No, you're 50. You're a man. <laughs> well, uh, I'm trying to uh, say this um, player's name correctly, Jerry, and I'm sure I'm going to not do a great job. Chuba Hubbard? Okay. The first I, thought name it was, is, I thought it was Chuba, but okay. Uh, no, you know what? You're probably right because they're not two Bs. It's C-H-U-B-A. Chuba Hubbard. Right. Was not happy that there was a photo. He's the, uh, a running back on uh, Mike Gundy's team, yeah? Mm-hmm. He was not happy that there was a photo uh, tweeted out of Mike Gundy in an OAN t-shirt, which, by the way, a lot of these articles, very bad job. They assume everyone knows what that means. I have no idea O-A-N? What, what the OAN t-shirt means. I don't, I don't either. you got to explain that in these articles. So have you looked it up? Yeah, I had to Google it. 
OAN is One America News, which is supposedly, according to the internets, a far right wing news source. Okay. Much more right wing, they say, even than Fox News. Wow. Yes. So, uh, so Chuba Hubbard was not happy that Mike Gundy was seen wearing that shirt. And he posted uh, or tweeted or posted a video saying he was uh, he will not be doing anything with Oklahoma State until things change. Well, they, I saw they released a video. They um, did together. They released the video together, so I guess all is well over there now, Jerry. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to what we always talk about: communication. You know, the I'm two, a man because there's there's two ways you can handle things. You can just turn your back to it and say, mm-hmm. "Screw him." I'm done with him. You can't do that. Or you can actually talk to the guy and figure it out. And it sounds like they spoke. They figured it out. Same thing with same thing with Shannon Sharp and Drew Brees. Remember Shannon Sharp came out after the Brees thing? He yes. should retire. No one's going to respect him. Blah, 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 blah. Skip, retire, all that stuff on, on FS1. Then he caught, then him and Brees sit down and talk. Mike, I'm good with I'm good with Drew Brees. Well, Mike yeah, Gundy may, to a guy. may not have any idea what OAN is. That I wouldn't know. Um, I would have to find out if he's been on the on the network yeah. before. I never heard of it before. I have no Me idea neither. what it is. But he could be he could be a supporter of it. I don't know. You know how Eddie gets sure. like we get a lot of free T shirts, and Eddie loves wearing the free yes. T shirts. He wears does not repeat a T shirt for the entire year. Yes, which is a very cool system he's got. Like if someone was sent him an OAN T shirt with no explanation of what it is, he'd be I, like, I, wear I this. would find out what it was. Oh, oh you would. would. It. Yes. Oh, see, that's responsible T-shirt wear. Right, you know why? Because if not, he's Brett Favre. Right, you're right. And then, and I guess ignorance does not uh, is not a defense. Now, Jerry, have we gotten in the no nonsense news network shirts? Because we could send Mike Gundy one of them. See if uh, since he's into wearing T-shirts, the no nonsense news, news network. network, which you you and uh, you started, really. I haven't and started it yet. To the fourth power, no nonsense news network with Four. Jerry Recco. <laughs> I have not. Uh, I have not started that yet. Uh, I have uh, looked into it. So, uh, here's what I have found. Okay, it's a lot of work covering all these events. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, you've got to hire reporters, stringers, as they say. Yeah, I don't know that that's going to work, but we've I do to, love the idea of it. <laughs> we've got to get somebody in charge of marketing and a t-shirt development. How about this? How about I just start a uh, a Twitter page, and I just post facts, no opinions. facts. Facts, no opinions. But they would say uh, everyone thinks they're posting facts, but all but most facts they, have they're opinions. slanted. Yeah. <laughs> well, the problem is, a lot of times they will forget certain facts that Just balance out facts. others. Right. They decide which ones they want to give you. No nonsense news network. At the some no nonsense news facts. network. We are not going to slant our facts. We have just facts. The best facts in all the world. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. <laughs> That's exactly right. All We're right, going to so, make millions. <laughs> so that was a very big controversy yesterday. And then. That is a I- fact. People, People are garbage. <laughs> You're right. That's not opinion, Jerry. That is a fact. <laughs> it is a fact. It That's really, 100% it, it fact. is really fact-based. So uh, that was a controversy that, that got uh, solved solved by human communication. Pretty quickly. It really is amazing whether it is a relationship, whether you're – you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, you're engaged, you're married, whether you're best friends, whether you just your your teammates, it is remarkable how just talking to people, how like talking mm-hmm. to one another can actually solve problems. And in fact, Chuba Hubbard said he should not have gone right to social media, that he should have talked 
to Mr. Mike Gunn. Oh, you know what? I'm glad these two got together yeah. and figured it out. That's great. I'm a man. I'll I'm wear whatever 50. T-shirts I want. So he's, what, 51, 52 now? What he I'm a man. 60? I'll be 50. What is he yeah. at 60? I'm a man. I'm a grandpa. He's not 60. No way. No, I said when he turns 60. Oh. I mean, at that point, you've been a man. He should have done an I'm a man, I'm 50 rant. He missed out on that 10-year He should have. I agree. But he, nothing got him to that I'm point 40. where he was incited to say, come at me. I'm 40. Come at me. And I was, I remember watching that, too, because that goes on. We obviously take the little clip. But that went on for five, six minutes, didn't it, if I remember? He was, he was pacing back and forth. And he, he had the paper in his hand. Off. Yeah. Not happy. You know he, why? Because it didn't come from the no no nonsense news network. He didn't like that uh, the people and the the reporters were taking shots at his players, and they're just kids, Jerry. I'm they a are. man. I'm forty. Come at me. It is an interesting I'm the coach. It's interesting in that they really are. When you're around a college team, you really can see how young they are. I mean, they you know, especially as we're now in our forties. So well, you're fifty. Sorry, yeah. I forgot. Now you late forties. Um, uh, not late for Sorry, not late. For, am I forty eight or forty nine? Me. Me. Oh, you're... Uh, Mid-40s. Mid-40s. You were 50. 50. You're closer to 51 now than you are 50. Hmm. Matter of fact, your birthday's coming up in a couple of months. <laughs> so just to remind you. Um, so like when, when you're around these teams, you really do see how young they still are. And at the end of the day, you also have to balance it out with, wow, they could be sent to war. Right. Like, man, that is some balance. I mean, when you think about it. So. I was so happy when I got – I had heard, like, when I was a kid, you know, when you sign up for the the service. Well, for the draft, the, yeah. Yeah, you sign up for the draft. And then you also heard back then, like, when you get to be 25, you're too old for the draft. Is that true? 25? I thought it was That's 30. A, I, was remember, 25? I remember being 25, and I remember just, just like, can't wait till I get to 25 so that I couldn't get drafted because I would have been in trouble. Was that the first adult birthday party you threw for yourself? 25? <laughs> like, yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm too old for the draft. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, that's funny. All yeah. right, what else do I have here, Jerry? Oh, these uh, potential Mets buyers, this Josh Harris and David Blitza. Yeah, I saw this. They took so – what the, did they buy into? They the took the Steelers? Yeah, they took $140 million and bought into the Steelers. Does that mean they're out of Mets money? What no, are we doing here? That means that they are worth a fortune. That's what it means. Boy, these guys are getting very involved in sports. I feel like what was the number we read last week when the story came out that they had a net worth of three point one billion? Was that the number? I don't know. It was a lot. I mean, like they have Crazy. enough money to do what they want to do. So they've got they're involved with the seventy sixers, with the devils, now the Steelers. They went yeah. in on the Mets. And they went in on the Mets. How about that? So yeah, so you've got so they got what the Nets, the Sixers, the Steelers. They got they got three of the major sport, yeah. the four major sports, and now you need the Mets. Hmm. It's very impressive. Speaking of that, did you watch any of that ESPN major sports uh, commissioner? I saw. I didn't know, but I did see a lot of segments. I didn't yeah. watch the whole thing. I saw a lot Was of it? segments though. Well, again, I didn't watch the actual episode of it, but the segments I saw. That's where I saw Rob Manfred talk about how it's been a disaster, you oh. know, the, the quote-unquote optics of the situation, them negotiating yes. through the media. Uh, Adam Silver explained why he thinks it's important for the NBA to come back, how they can, you know, A, help the country heal, B, have social justice at the forefront and giving the players a platform to speak after games and stuff like that. I thought he spoke in a, in a lot of uh, positive ways. I thought Gary Bettman, the clips that I saw. To, I'm telling you, the NHL is leading the way in this. The NHL is going to come out. It's going to be, you know, 
They have their poop together, as you will. They know their format. As he said, it's not going to be gimmicky. It's going to be it's going to be an NHL playoff format. That's going to be nobody a lot cares of fun. about hockey. No, no, you know what, Bob? You take that and yeah. shove it because at this point, shove we it. all should care about hockey because they're the only ones doing it right. If hockey comes back, I mean, people are watching golf and NASCAR now, so they would they would definitely Absolutely. watch hockey. Yeah, I think so. I might even watch something. Maybe. I wouldn't go that far. I know where I got caught up in a couple of years ago when the Rangers were making a playoff run. Yeah, well, we playoff were talking hockey about it is, every morning. And playoff hockey is a blast. And if you ever have you ever gone to a playoff game? Yeah, I covered the Tampa Bay Lightning when they did a playoff against the Flyers many years ago. Uh, that atmosphere is electric. I don't know. I mean, you want to tell me a huge college football, college basketball game? Okay, great atmosphere, no question about it. I don't think though. You know, maybe the Cubs. Uh, in the World Series against the India, you want to tell me that? Okay, I suppose. But to me, there's nothing better than the tension of an overtime, you know, sudden death playoff hockey game. It's just amazing. So, and now you won't have that. You won't have that same feel because there'll be no fans in the stands, uh, or at least very limited ones. If we get to a point where they do allow them in. But it's still, it's going to be professional hockey, recognizable teams and faces, and I'm in. Like, let's go. Especially if the, if baseball, how about this too with baseball? If baseball doesn't come back and play this year, and then you're going to have that, the new CBA that they got to figure out after next season hanging over their head, like they may not come back for two years after that. Yeah, I'm rooting for baseball not to come back just so we have to get like a Sosa McGuire situation when it does return. Just well, you've had that. They juiced dudes. the balls already. Yeah, let's juice balls. Let's juice the players. How much further do you want them to hit the ball? Oh, Jerry, I want a records. I want a records falling. What do you want? Aaron Judge hit the ball to the, the, to the bridge. Yeah, I mean, I want God. Aaron Judge hitting the ball into the the East River if that like, is even let me near ask you this. the stadium. What do you think? This is this is something you can think about during the break. All right. What could baseball this. do mm-hmm. more than they've already done? With the baseballs, which we all discussed a right. couple years ago, where the home run numbers were ridiculous, I want to know what you think the plan would be, what they could do going forward that would outdo what they did two years ago with the home run ball. Think about that. And then when we come back, we'll have a couple of minutes to hear Al's thoughts and then Boomer and oh. Geo at 6 on the fan. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry. The superheroes of WFAN. couple more minutes till we get you to Boomer and Geo. They had all the commissioners talk on ESPN last night. Rob Manford walking back his guarantee of a season. So good luck with that. Also, by the way, CeeLo will take over from here for me. So you guys can enjoy your Tuesday. What else you got, Al? Oh, Jerry, uh, I love any story, as you know, uh, from the podcast. Uh, anything that starts with Florida man. Okay. Uh, here's one, a Florida man. Oh, this look, is brutal. Looking for his Frisbee. By the way, this was occurred at 5 a.m. A Florida man looking for his Frisbee at 5 a.m. went into a lake to retrieve I mean, it and got bit in the face by an alligator. I, I, I feel like people that... All right, so when you're a tourist and you go to Florida, yeah. I think you stay away from the lakes because you're terrified that there's an alligator. Gators. I almost feel like the people that live there are arrogant about it. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I think can handle right. this. I live here. Oh. I never see this. Gators and then all happens. over the place. Right. Let me go get my Frisbee. Why was he playing Frisbee at 5 a.m.? Frisbee's up. I every, think up to nothing good. 
Every business gives away a free frisbee with their logo on it. Every get another frisbee. Has FAN ever given away a free frisbee? hundred percent. I guarantee you there were WFAN frisbees. I know we gave away free baseball, sponge baseballs, and footballs. Frisbees? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, years ago, guarantee. guarantee. How do we find out about that? You go into a real estate agent's office. They're like, you want a frisbee? I always get the calendar with the agent's face on it. That's a popular <laughs> This go-to. is my beautiful agent. I, this is, this is uh, her photo for May. <laughs> I would go right for the frisbee. You throw it right in your trunk. You always have a frisbee. You don't have to go retrieve one in a lake with an alligator biting your face off. Always have something to do at the beach. Always do, Jerry. And a new poll out finds Ooh, I the, like a poll. the majority of Americans think that 69 is the perfect indoor temperature. No, it's not. 72 is the perfect temperature. I'd go 71. Eddie and I, though, we settled on 69. Well, you guys like 69. <laughs> In the studio, because he really wants it at 66. I want it 66? at 66? Yeah. I want it at 61. 69! I mean, I'm sorry. I want it at 71. We've settled on 69. Of course you have. Eddie and I. I li- all right. I mean, again, I like 72. In the winter and in the summer, it stays nice and consistent. All good. 72 66. Because is- 66 in the winter is cold. Yeah. 69. <laughs> By the way, 72 in the summer, Jerry, that's hot. No, it's not. When you want 90 degrees, you come inside. You gotta, it's, it's lovely. You got to cool that down a little bit. Not really. 69. And- when you're back <laughs> driving to and from work, listen in your car to Boomer and Geo. 